Hello, hello, hello! Hey. Welcome to episode eleven of Let's 11. Talk Film Bitches. Eleven. Eleven. Oh like my lucky number because I was born on the eleventh. So this is this is a pretty meaningful episode for me. Yeah, your date of birth is um. One year after nine <laughs> eleven. So yeah. Which is um, you know, it's it's, it's not it ideal. memorable. You you remember it's it. Not. I always yeah. remember it. Fuck all my friends who keep forgetting my birthday. <laughs> because you actually cannot forget it because, you know, yeah. it's 9-11. So it's on you if you forget it. Exactly. Um, you're forgetting you about been? the biggest... I've been, I've been good. I've been fucking busy. Yeah, me you too. Know, two weeks tomorrow, I will be in France. Two weeks wow. tomorrow. That is crazy. I can't... I but I have, I have a surprise for you. So I was in Glasgow, I spent the day in Glasgow, and I think I have something that might um that might tickle your fancy a little bit. Let's see if I tickle can tickle my fa- OMG I have a beret which is not It's a beret on. and it's green. You yeah, look Luigi. Green beret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does not go on over my uh, headphones, which is Well, I have a um I have a red beret. So yeah, I'll be Mario and you can be uh, Luigi. Yes. Perfect. I love it. Where did you get that? Primark. You'll need to put a picture of it on. Yes, I'll put a picture of me actually wearing the hat. Please do, because everyone, poor poor people listening to this podcast, we are such visual people, I feel, you know, know. film and stuff. Like, we are such, so visual. All these hand expressions just (laughs) everywhere. I famously speak with my hands, and I always have. Um, yeah. It's a very neat thing to do. So apologies to you guys who cannot see that spectacle. One day though, one day we'll have an one episode, day. we'll live stream it and you can see it. Yes. So, shall we jump right in, Anna? Yeah, let's hit the track. Here comes the track. Let's talk film. Bitches. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What? How did you say that? I don't want to say <laughs> With Neve and Anna. Do you have a song in your head that you're going to sing every week? Because I think I do. I just decide two minutes before we, we sing. No, I'm just like... I just make up as I go like I just I just decided to go with that song. I thought, mm, that just came into my head. But I did sing what well I sung um You sang the Into the Spider Verse song. And then I sung in Cruella, but I don't think there's a really a, a song that goes with um I mean, unless a whole <laughs> Unless a whole orchestra out, like comes out of your mouth and I don't Let think me so. let me try. Little women Joe, Amy, Meg, and Beth, Little Women. That's literally that's literally the song I was singing earlier, which is Cinderella. <laughs> she's as beautiful as her name. Oh, what's the the lyric? She's as this lovely is as the her Camilla name. Camilla Cabello Cinderella. No. Was this the actual no. Cinderella? This is the actual Cinderella. It's the song no, that plays. I've never seen it like, before. You've <laughs> never seen the original Cinderella. I think I might have, but I've just forgotten it. Oh my god. No, this song is Cinderella. She's as lovely as her name. Cinderella. 
and it's it plays at the start of you know because in the old Disney films like like 101 Dalmatians where like yeah. they have the credits all at the start I know so it plays there okay well so you'll be watching that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I just want to say, like, we were watching 101 Dalmatians uh-huh. the night after we recorded Cruella. Uh-huh. And Larry's like, why don't they still have, uh, like, credits at the start? Like, and then it's just like, oh, wait, because there's so many more credits. Like, imagine waiting 10 minutes for the actual film to start. Literally, like, I also watched 101 Dalmatians. I think it was the day after we recorded. But I was like, like, you... It's still a long time you have to wait for the film to start, especially when, like, yeah. the antipa- anticipation is building. But can I just say, 100 Mandalmations is, I think, the most beautiful film because it's also oh hand-drawn. God. And it's also, like... Yes. Like, you can see that it's hand-drawn because at one point they were in a car and, like, it, this the silhouettes of Horace and... What's his face? Uh, Horace and Jasper, Jasper were, like, Jasper. so... Jasper, they were so like scribbly, and it was just so heartwarming. It was like this is what mm-hmm. this is what animated films started from. It's so amazing. Um, of the Disney animated films I've watched, Hundred Miles Dalmatians is definitely my favorite. Oh, it, it was, was so good, so fun, so, so cute, good. so adorable. It was better than I remember it because I think I've only seen it. I've only half seen it, um, and I just loved it. I just thought it was yeah. excellent. It amazing. was so beautiful, but it was really the art style that that drug that dragged me in just that I yeah. just thought it was incredible and unfortunately it. it's because in the Glenn Close remake there's no like cute art style it's just very generic and also the animals don't talk so there's whole scenes oh. where they're just barking at each other and we don't know what the fuck they're saying is it live action though? yeah yeah oh but still yeah I think that's where Cruella like wins because even though it doesn't have a particular art style, they really lean into the time period and like the punkness, and it's the emphasis is all on the costume, right? Exactly. Um. So that's where that works. But when you try to do it without a particular edge, like, you know, I just I just really thought it was so beautiful to see the, the work and the the hand drawnness. I know. You know, it just so nice. But do you know what I think is really cool with um these old like hand-drawn Disney films is that they reuse certain parts of the animation so like if a dog is running they'll use it in Lady and the Tramp and they'll use it in 101 Dalmatians and it'll be the same reel effectively but just with a different character they do it with Baloo in in the Jungle Book and another character I can't remember who but it's exactly the same like it's it's I'll put uh, I'll put an example on the Instagram to check out um, Instagram for that because it's really interesting. Um, now, before we jump into scene shuffle, yes, I want to discuss a few current things that have been going through my head regarding film. So yes, okay, let's hear them. First of all, have you seen what I posted on the Instagram story today? Avatar is getting re-released in cinema yet again. What the fuck? No wonder this is the the highest grossing yeah, film of course. ever because they, this is they practically cheating. It, like, they keep putting it out in the cinema. I'm like, Bessie, why do you need to put it Stop. out again? No one likes it. Get like, Avengers Endgame back on screen. Like, if, literally, if Avengers come Endgame came, on. But that also, Avengers Endgame's lead, Avengers Endgame leads me into No Way Home coming back to the cinema. Oh, really? Yeah, No Way why? Home's coming back with, and it's, it's extended. So there's, like, extra scenes and stuff. And my question was... 
which one would you rather go see and why oh, no, are no, they bringing hands down why are they bringing Avatar back? I mean, I would go see... I don't know. But see, I don't know. I would quite like to go see if it makes any difference watching Avatar in the cinema. Like, I don't know if it's maybe just... like cause there But it still just... won't be in 3D. No, it won't be in 3D, which is strange. And I wonder... But I'm intrigued to see how busy the cinemas will be if, the, if it has any impact mm-hmm. watching it in the cinema. Because obviously when I watched it, I mean... I, it was evident that I liked Avatar more than you did. Definitely. <laughs> Still, still wasn't at all in the like category, but it definitely appealed to me a lot more than it did for you. Um, but still, I was watching it on a small screen, so I don't know if maybe it would appeal to me more if I watched it on the big screen. But I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to fall right asleep. To be cinema. honest, I think when it does come back into cinemas, I'm going to be in France. Because you'll, be, you'll be in France. Yeah, exactly. So, um, if it is, I'm not sure if it is there, but... If it is, it I might, might just go be see in French. mainstream markets, like I mean, in American cinema, Britain. Um. Well, the cinema that I well, basically, guys, just a wee bit of background. I've been doing a little bit of research for how I can keep up my cinema going. I'm a regular cinema goer, so I've been looking As into how I can continue that. Yeah, in France, and there is a um, Odeon slash View equivalent cinema five seconds away from where I'm staying in France. <laughs> Coincidence? Um, I think not. <laughs> absolutely not. I'm so pleased. So, you know, you can get like a student card that gives you like unlimited cinema. I think it's like, I don't know, is it 35 euros a month for unlimited cinema viewing and stuff? So, um, but in France, they're a lot more particular about how you apply for things. So you have to actually send in like documents and stuff to apply for it. So I don't know if it'll be worth it, but um, wow. I think I probably will get it just for a bit of, you know, but... Um, so I was looking there and like there's so many films that are like not in our cinemas here like French films like actual French films I don't know French films yeah I don't know why I didn't expect that but I'm just so excited to go and see them like yeah, I cannot be wait so cool to experience like a a type of world cinema and see a different type of cinema as well exactly. like see the adverts see yes. um, like the audience and how the audience sits what they what exactly. kind of snacks they have. Yeah, I was speaking to someone at my one of my pub quizzes and they were saying that at a cinema they went to, I can't remember where it was they went, but there were two options for popcorn. You could have salted or ham and cheese. That what? was it. Ham and ham cheese. Ham and cheese. Popcorn. They said it was disgusting. Obviously it would be. But it's a delicacy there. So I don't I can't remember where it was that he okay. said, but I don't know. Pop up so, queens. I just wanted to mention that Avatar and No Way Home are coming back into the cinemas. Yes. Um, secondly, what do you guys think about that? Are you yeah, let us know. Let us know. Will you go see it? I mean, I nearly put a poll on the Instagram saying, are you going to go see this? I don't know. I mean, I think I... Maybe just to ease myself in in France, I might go see Avatar um, in the cinema. But why I not go see do. No Way Home? It's such a better well, film. Well, I, I would go see No Way Home as well, but like these are two films that I know the plot of, so I don't have to depend too much on my language skills, and I can like... Oh, okay dip in slowly um so my other question i just was really curious today because um i don't think i've told you this but at work anna and i both are cleaners so i clean in a premier room and you clean caravans Um, so you know it's kind of like an unsaid rule as a cleaner that you have to have something good to listen to when you're cleaning oh of course and i my mood heavily depends on what I listen to when I'm at work. Like, 
I get sick of music, I get sick of the radio, I don't know what to listen to, I get sick of the podcast that I'm listening to, except for when it's our podcast, because I love listening to our podcast. Obviously. Um, but the one thing that has really taken my fancy over the past four days has been listening to the Hunger Games audiobook. Yeah, you told me this. So I am halfway through the second book now. And I was just thinking today, so spoilers, if you haven't watched Hunger Games, go watch it. It's great. It's the best film franchise ever. My favourite. It's so, so, so good. What about Um, Twilight? Well, Twilight. Cover your ears. Oh no, Twilight's a different story. Um, But I know you've also read the Hunger Games, or watched the Hunger Games films. I've watched watched and read the books, yeah. Yeah, so you know know what happens. Yeah. Um, So spoilers for the Hunger Games, here it comes. Which death do you think hits the hardest on screen? Hmm. So I think when it comes um, to, like, when I think about it, there's three deaths that I can think of that really, like, hit hard. And that's when Cinna dies, when yeah. Finnick dies, and when Prim dies. Those are the ones I that say I... when Cinna dies, when Prim dies, and also when, what's her name at the end... Oh, President, President Snow. No, not President Snow. President, um, oh, her, oh no, she's Commander, is she? She's oh, that, what is she, what's she called? That was such a shock, oh though, my that God. she pointed her, her bow up at her. What's her name? The, pre, the, the President of District 13. Yeah. Oh, that's going to bug me for the rest of the episode. Right, hang on, I'll just look it up. Uh, wait, I need to go through yeah, the alphabet. A, B, C... D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M. This is some ASMR for you guys. <laughs> N, O, P. President. Oh, president. No, it. Oh, no, I know what it is. Here it is. It starts with C. C? Yes, starts with C. I'd completely forgotten. President Sinna? <laughs> I wish! <laughs> so her name is Alma Coyne. President Coyne. Cohen, yes. Coyne? Is it not Coyne? I'm pretty sure is they it... pronounce it Cohen in the films. It's No, it's Coyne in the films. It's definitely Coyne in the films. Okay. Definitely. Okay, I, I will look that up and get back to you on that one. Okay, <laughs> Cohen, Coyne. I think it's Coyne. I always pronounce it as Cohen. But see, do you know what? So basically, this this is not even... We're not even asking my question at this point, but <laughs> the first Hunger Games book that I listened to, obviously the first one, was read by um, Tatiana Maslany. If you can find anything that she reads, she's great. She did a great job. She was doing great voices for Katniss and Pita. And she did a great voice for Pita. Great voice for Hamish and stuff. And then in the second book, the voice switched to this really stern voice. And, like, she still does voices, but, like, it's not the same. Yeah, and I was, like, no. so disappointed. See, I feel like, I feel like one, one reader should... Yeah, uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. Read the whole franchise. Like Stephen Fry did for the Hung- Harry Potter games books. Yeah, absolutely. Harry just... Potter games books. Harry Potter uh, books. Um... But I was, so when I was listening to the Catching Fire today, I was just thinking, oh my God, Sinna's death hit me the most when I watched it. Like, that Sinna was is, really shocking. Sinna was absolutely brutal in the films. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't got to the point in the book when that happens, but even like 
I knew that was coming. I mean, I guess we could argue Rue's death as well as like a big like. Yeah, I was gonna say Rue's death as well. Yeah, um, but definitely for me, like I think you knew Rue was gonna die, like because you know you knew that Candace I mean, yeah, was gonna get out. As a, but like Cinna was so unexpected. Yeah, I mean, my, and yeah, I just get so uncomfortable anytime I'm watching the film. I get so uncomfortable with how it's portrayed and like how good it's portrayed. Mm, like mm. it's so well done, and she's it oh really my god, is. Jennifer. Jennifer Lawrence Jennifer does a great job. It, she's she is. She Katniss. really does. She is you know, the she, moment. She is the moment. Um, so, what do you think about what do you think about that? The best yeah. or the most well portrayed death? Do you think? Do you agree? I with think Senna? Senna. Yeah, I think Senna's the best. Yeah. Rue was also quite like shocking, like how, like their plan almost worked, but then she got shot in the stomach. That was really sad. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think. And Prem's death as well was. I think you can Especially compare... since um, it, it was, was down to Gail, yeah. Oh, that's what other question I was going to ask. Are you a Gail girl or a Peter girl? Gail. I... Gail is so fucking hot. Peter's kind of lame. Gail is an arsehole! Gail Listen, is an arsehole, I but been... I like arseholes. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what? You should listen to the audiobooks. Because Peter fucking pours his heart into Katniss, and Gail but is it's like, all for yeah. the TV show. No, it's not. He actually loves her, Anna. Oh. He loves her. Oh, it's Katniss who's doing it's the Katniss TV show. Peter loves her. Yeah, but Peter needs to learn when to let go. No, Peter <laughs> saves her, and it's oh, it's so. Listening I to just, the book, I'm like, I, oh my god, I, like obviously Millie is my Peter, but Peter is, like. He is so sweet. Like, there's not a moment. Like, he it's just kind does of everything to save the her. The end of Mockingjay, when she gets with Peter, oh. is kind of a Bridget Jones moment for me, where she would be better off alone. What? Like, Gail, neither Gail or Peter, because Peter got brainwashed and hijacked by the Capitol and tried yeah, to kill her for half the book. Isn't that so... But that's Romantic. so, like... No, it's... <laughs> But Gail is an arsehole. Gail is a, Gail is yeah, a Gail's absolute, a dickhead. Gail really is. He's He totally takes advantage. Like, this girl has had to go through this arena. She's, what, 16 at Facebook. And twice. And he's like, oh, Cadmus, why wouldn't you choose me? And it's like, <laughs> what the oh, fuck? Get a fucking grip. Like, uh, Peter is just like, he like silently acknowledges, like he doesn't put up a huff with her. He's still nice with her and he still showers her with affection, keeps her safe and sleeps with her when she has nightmares. But oh my god, what the fuck, Gail? I can't believe you're a Gail girl! Fuck off! Oh my god! Honestly, I'm a Hamish girl. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Hamish is, is like... Hamish is a bro. Who is it that plays... It's Woody Allen, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. But I really... I, Hamish is way better in the films than he is. But I feel like my favourite character is the news presenter. Claude, is it Claudius? Oh. No, that Claudius Temple Smith is one. Oh wait, do you mean Claudius Temple Smith or Sa- the one with Caesar the blue Flintman? hair, like the one who does Caesar? Yeah, Flintman? Caesar Flintman. Yeah. yeah, I really like. He's so good. He's and so who nice. is it that plays him? Because he was in everything for a while. What's his name? Oh my I God. have no idea what his name is. No, I do know his name. Um, because he was in everything, and he was one of the actors that I could. Um, Stanley Tucci. Yes. Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um, oh my God, what was he in? Oh, Mark Strong. 
Apparently he was in the Hunger Games. Oh no, he wasn't. He's just associated with them. But I was like, he's from Cruella. Recast, renamed, let's talk the Hunger Games. Oh, I love it though. I'm so, I can't believe you're a Gale girl. Fuck off. Okay, well, bye. (laughs) I'll take my berry and march on over to France. Okay, I think I think we should probably start the actual episode yeah, now. We're twenty minutes be one, in. More than one long episode if this is. Well, this is a bumper episode, guys. Shuffle. Absolutely. Yes. Let's start with scene shuffle. Yes. So our scene shuffle prompt this week was favorite director, and I'm not gonna lie, I had a bit of trouble picking just one director. So did I. I, I had a I when I was thinking about this, I was like. I, 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 I kind of think. I know who's in the running for your favorite director. Okay. I think I think Mr. Mr. Pete Doctor's in there. Yeah, you got it on the you got the nail mm-hmm. on the head there. I think it's really strange trying to choose a favorite director because to me it almost feels strange when you associate a whole entire film with one person. And yeah. when you say, Oh, he directed it, but there's people that wrote it. I mean obviously Sometimes with the same people. In Pete Dutter's case, very much he writes and directs. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other people that are involved in the I mainstream know. production of the film. And yeah. it's all down to this one person. I mean, can you name anyone else other than uh, the director of Parasite? I can't remember his name. Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho, yeah. Can you, name, can you name anyone else that's in that film, like behind the scenes other than him? Would you credit the film to anyone else? No. No. But he wrote it. So He did write it. He did And I think he it, also like... edited it. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, maybe that's a bad example. But um like even the Steven Spielberg, like would you associate anyone else? Do you know what I mean? Maybe John Williams who did the score, possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean Bong Joon Ho also co produced the film, so he was like really heavily involved in Parasite. No yeah, that's a bad example. But um... Um, but stuff like again MCU, we're coming back at it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think MCU films are the films of the directors. I think they're Kevin Feige's films. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think like not every film, bar Pete Doctor, but I'm sure Pete Doctor will have films that aren't as good in the future. Um, yeah, like Cars too. Pete Doctor wouldn't never associate himself with anything like that. Obviously mm-hmm. not. Never. Um, but, well, you know, I think that, you know, choosing a... Because sometimes directors only do... Like, when we say favourite director, what comes to mind is someone who's done, like, a span of films. Yeah. But some of my favourite films are... Like one-offs. Fil- yeah, and, and films that, like, okay, I like this of his, but not this of hers, you know, like... Exactly. Um... Mm-hmm. But I did. I, feel like, I did uh, like the direction of Little Women, like of Greta Gerwig, and I'm interested yes. to watch Lady Bird now because obviously that also has Saoirse Ronan in it, and it was also directed by Greta Gerwig. So, um, I'm interested to watch that. I think I can honestly say, with a hand on my heart, that my favorite director is still the Duffer Brothers. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They're just like I can't wait for them to finish Stranger Things and move on to films. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. think that's gonna be show stopping. Mm-hmm. I think it really is. I mean, definitely, I think there's... I 
think there's some loose ends. Ah, sometimes I think that like Stranger Things is like, oh, and this is why it happened, and this is why it happened, and this is why it happened. But like, it doesn't always make sense. I can't, I can't bring bring the I mean, actual example to the. The final season isn't mind. out yet, so not all the questions have been answered. Uh, no, absolutely, but like when Vecna was like came about did they expect like i know it's is it maybe like a fan theory that he was there from the start and you can hear the clock and but like i think you can actually see him in one of the earlier episodes yeah in like season two well i because yeah, there's one there's well and i i agree they with also that. discovered that with every death you can hear the clock chiming just really like faintly yeah, as I well mean, how far is this planned in advance and is it just coincidental that they use a clock sound and then you know i just mm, some of some of the loose ends and they try to like pull off this stuff that they've done is it i'd like to see proof i i want the receipts i want them to say you know to to show us saying you know season one our main baddie for five seasons is vecna do you know what i mean i think they they have that story set out they just don't have it written yet like mm-hmm. i've i know that the duffer brothers know exactly where they want to end season five yeah it's just getting there um but i really love how like for me it all makes sense because vecna of course vecna's the villain he got sent in there and he's got powers like mm-hmm. 11 mm-hmm. and that's why everything's coming after them now because she opened the gate and now there's force behind this evil world mm-hmm. And yeah, and of course they're all after eleven because one wants wants revenge. Yeah, absolutely, it does make sense. I sometimes, I've said this before on the podcast. I'm very stupid, right? And sometimes when things are over a long, you know, and this is four seasons, and it's not four mm-hmm. seasons of twenty minute episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's all it's got a long runtime. There's got to be and, like over a hundred hours of Stranger Things footage out there right now. Oh, absolutely, and sometimes. I, I'm like, I like things to be a bit more like easier to understand. Yeah. So sometimes, and I think as well, I hope you don't mind me saying this because it's true of me as well. I think sometimes when you're so keen on a director, you, you deny that there are faults. You start apologizing for them. Yeah. Or like you become an apologist for them. I definitely do that. Like... You know, if someone found a plot hole or whatever, I do see plot holes in Pixar films. I'm like, nah, they did that on purpose. Yeah. You know, and I think it really takes someone else to be like, no, this is like, it's a genuine plot hole. Um, to be like, you know, bring me out of it a wee bit. But um, I just really like Pete Doctor's stuff. You know, I, I really, I really like him. Um, if you don't know, Pete Doctor is, I think he's creative director at Pixar now. He's like the chief. Oh, damn. Um, Good since for him. Um, John Lester has been involved in some stupid pervy shit obviously because he's a man of course um, and but I think he's in charge of things at Dis- well no actually I think he's not involved in Disney or Pixar at all anymore I think he's um, he moved to like a really small animation company because of all the allegations that went on around yep. him well that's really fun okay yeah um, what but- other directors came to mind other than Pete Doctor um well, Brad Bird definitely came to mind. Um, he did the Iron Giant, but he also did Ratatouille, which obviously I love. Okay. 
Yes. Um, but Brad Bird has a very like I like him like as a person. Um, when I was listening to uh, well, it's actually in a book that Ed Catmull wrote. Um, it's his kind of autobiography, um, and it's called Pixar. No, not called Pixar. It's called Creativity Inc. And um, it's like the founding of Pixar. I have the book, but um, I heard an excerpt of it on a podcast and it was talking about like these like big like meetings that all the like people have at Pixar when they're trying to write a new film. Yeah. So I think this one example was used for Inside Out where they were sitting around the table. So like all the chiefs like and the oldest people at Pixar were there. So Ed Catmull was there. Pete Doctor obviously was pitching the idea for Inside Out. Andrew Stanton, Brad Bird, and obviously John Lester. And Brad yes. Bird was saying something like really, like giving encouragement, but like it was in a really witty and like really insightful way that was like going to shape this film. And like, I think there was one principle of the film that was missing. Like it was one of the rules was mm-hmm. was missing um, in the story, um, and there needed to be some other kind of motive. Um, and he was the one that gave that advice. But in general, I just really like Brad Bird as a person. I think he's got really insightful, um, you know, take on film, especially animated yeah. films. And, Speaking um, of animated films, I was, I was really impressed with Jennifer Lee's directing uh-huh. in the Frozen films. Yeah, she's like, she's really especially good. in the Into the Unknown miniseries. I thought she direct like her directing abilities working with the team was amazing mm-hmm. and really and she also wrote it as well yes she, she like, like she was a true it. team leader and a team player that that um documentary if you haven't seen it it's called into the unknown it's on disney plus um and it follows the entire process of making frozen 2 and mm-hmm. i think i heard someone else on the podcast say the other day that they were kind of like why would they put that out why would they put that documentary out? they're showing how stupid they are and i was like it was because I can didn't see have, like, that I can see that because they were like, con they were rushed like so rushed yeah that's true I think if they'd had another year or so it would have been but I don't think Frozen 2 is bad in any way I think Frozen 2 oh, no. is a really developed and mature story for a Frozen film because mm-hmm. Frozen has been deemed this film you know even though I adore Frozen and it has a really important meaning to me but I think that it has been deemed the the film for three-year-old girls. Um, yeah. And to have a film, a sequel, that has really mature themes, um, you know, it's a, it's it's not a romance story, apart from, Thank you know, God. classic Anna and Kristoff stuff, but, like, it's about Elsa, like, realising that she has always been who she needed to be. Yeah. And that's a really, like, the way that handles, and, like, Elsa isn't this happy-go-lucky, you know, it's... It's really mature, but I really like that docuseries because I think it really shows that like filmmaking mm-hmm. is never gonna go as you expect. As it you to expect, go. you know. I mean, exactly. I think when, I especially with you. animated films, animated films take four to five years to create in film, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of planning. There's rewrites. I mean, Toy Story two got deleted for fuck's sake, you know? Like these things never go to plan, and I actually think it was a great idea for them to showcase that and to be proud yeah. of that and show that like you know we still managed to make it and i mean it, it blew so. frozen out like out the box office like it, it blew it out yeah of the water you Didn't know it, like gross a billion dollars yeah 
Yeah, it was it was and I I loved it. A Frozen Two is still one of my like number one comfort films. I think the songs are better. One of my favorite. Um, the songs are well, really good in Frozen Two. Apart from Love Is an Open Door, that is my number one song from Frozen One. Uh, Love Is an Open Door is the best song in the world. Um, but like Show Yourself is so emotional and raw. I know. That was a song that they were like struggling to like accept and put into the film. And how, you know, I just think it's it's so, so good. And one of my favourite lines, or one of my favourite songs in that film is Some Things Never Change. And it's Literally. so... It's so, so like, it's giving a message over and Olaf is like, you all look a little bit older in in the song. And he's like, you know, it's it's like a kind of nod to like growing up and, and maturing, yeah. which is what this story is about. And then, you know, I know Olaf is like this, like, pushed away, you know, side, like, written off as, like, the humour character. But his song... He really does get a side character at it. Oh, he, he does, which is fair. That's why he's there. But his song, I yeah. can't remember what it's called, um, When I'm Older, and he's talking about this will make sense when I'm older. It's that feeling of, like, yes. longing for growing up that we all feel when we're young. We longing all... for answers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Longing for understanding. And Frozen 2 definitely does not get, nor Jennifer Lee, does not get the credit that they deserve. So thank you for bringing that up. Also, Um, Frozen 2 is a phenomenal looking film. Oh, absolutely. Like the the water animation for one is impeccable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's just, you know, Disney use um, all these advanced rendering machines and technologies Mm -hmm. that they develop and... Uh, they they blow out of the water every time. Like I, I was watching him. Um, I watched Big Hero Six the other night, and I had listened to a podcast on it recently, saying how they just started using a new rendering system for Big Hero Six, so everything looks really realistic. And when I was watching it the other night, I mean, Big Hero Six came out in what twenty twelve because it was before Frozen, I'm sure. I want to say I want to say it's twenty twelve. Um. But they had a new twenty fourteen actually came out after Frozen. Twenty fourteen? Oh no, it was it was Wreck It Ralph that came before Frozen. Yes. Um, was it? I'm just gonna fact check there. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um I always get twenty twelve and twenty fourteen mixed up for some reason. I always do that. Yeah. Um but in in uh, Big Hero Six, they started using this new rendering system where everything just looks impeccable. But I was watching it and I was like, this isn't very good, like, compared to what we have now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, every, every, every film for them is like leaps and bounds ahead of their previous yes. film. And they're, they're never going like, to be good enough for themselves. It's like the Shrek films. Like, I read that the Shrek films, each of them are twice as big as their predecessor. Like, Shrek yeah. 2 is twice as big as Shrek 1. <laughs> Shrek 3 is, like, twice the file size of Shrek 2. And then Shrek it's 4 is so, twice that It's so Shrek funny, 3. like... I like these people were were talking about the the rendering systems and they were saying that like the rendering system for Big Hero Six could render the entirety of Bugs Life in like an hour. And I was like, lol. Props. That's that's um that is funny, I think. Yeah. Um I but, think yeah, for bro- me Go ahead. The directors that I was questioning were Edgar Wright, Wes Anderson. And me, oh, and John Krasinski, who did the Quiet Place films. Oh, that's interesting. 
interesting. Yeah. He's all, he, has he just done them? I, th I think so. think so. I think so. That's his main body of work, the Quiet Place mm -hmm. films. Apart from acting, of course. Um, and I was just thinking, like, these are really mainstream films. And I love them a lot. But I wouldn't say they're my favorite directors. No, I mean... I definitely considered Wes Anderson as well because I love mm -hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox and I love um, Moonrise Kingdom. Um, but, like, those films aren't, like... I like Fantastic Mr. Fox is a complete comfort film. It's yeah. so good. Mm -hmm. But there's so many other films that I'm like, mm, that's better than this, though. So does that make them my favourite director? Or, you know, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a tough... It's a really tough question. I don't think it's fair to, like, pin yourself down to one director mm -hmm. because you're going to like different genres and you're going to like different, yeah. you know, different films, different time periods. And, you know, some some directors like Wes Anderson just stick to the same thing. Like, his, he, his whole mm -hmm. gig is doing that whole, you know, aspect ratio and, and having, you know, his asymmetry and, and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um... But I mean, so, it's, it's like it. It's like his signature on film. Like you cannot. Oh yeah. But compare Wes Anderson films to something else. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's his calling card. Yeah, you know, and but that yeah, so that's he's never going to make a film different than that. But I like loads of different films. So if I was going to pick anyone, I you know I'd want. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question, and I think yeah, it's. It um, is a tough question. It's it when you um because I remember when you suggested it I was like oh that's a great one and then I was like wait that's really hard to answer I know and I'm really really uh, stressed out for the favorite film scene shuffle one that is oh my in the god works, in the thing. oh that's um that's gonna be tough um, but yes. I think I honestly think that would be easier to answer I I already have a few popping into my head um, yes but just as you mentioned um just as you mentioned Stranger Things I also like how the Duffer Brothers like bring in other directors. Um, like I remember messaging yeah. you to say that Andrew Stanton who is one of the main founders of Pixar directed two episodes of Stranger Things mm -hmm. in season three uh, no no season two I think because he directed Dig Dug and one is other The Trap yes I think so I think so that's even an episode title in season two uh, it's definitely it's let's see um well, I want to hear what other people have to say for their favourite directors, like, because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have more than just one favourite director. Absolutely, um, you know, it doesn't come down to one answer. Yeah, exactly. It's an open-ended question. So he directed Dig Dug and The Spy. The Spy, that's it. Um, but I think that really goes to show, like, I think that's probably more what I mean when I say that, like, I like a bit of range in a director, because obviously he's famously done Pixar films, which are mm -hmm. nothing like Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, Diversity yeah. is very... Or, like, versatility. Perfect. Yes. Okay. I have been waiting for this all week. We need to talk about Pick of the Week. Now, you <laughs> said last week, you said... Need, I told the room. you, yes. You, I said, Neve, go watch the room. I'll give you a link. I give you a link. Yes. Don't read anything about it. Don't read reviews. Don't look up, look it up online. It's by Tommy Wiseau. Just watch it, and then I'll tell you all about it on the next episode. Okay, so I'm going to give you a bit of background, right? I watched this film, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, this is the most low-budget, like, 
stupid film. I was like, what the fuck meaning does this have? <laughs> and I was saying to Millie, I was like, oh, I was I was in bed and I was like, oh, I really want to know what the meaning behind this film is. And she was like, Neve, that's like my favourite film. And I was like, what? What's <laughs> your favourite film? I was like, oh my hey. God. So and, um, I said to her, you I was texted like, me, you texted me, oh, I picked up the YouTube comments and they say that this is art. And then you said, this is obviously like a famous film, but like, does it have to be to do with something like they're stuck in the room? And I laughed out loud because... Why is it called The Room, though? I don't get it. I don't get it. Why is it called oh The Room? Oh, my God, right. I'm going I to just... blow your entire world. No, wait, I can't. I can't because Millie, Millie was like... So I said to Millie, Anna keeps saying there's something important about this film. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, it is important But in the field she... of cinema. Okay, but she kept... She was, like, looking it up. She was, like... Well, no. And she, was, she wasn't going to tell me. No, she couldn't find anything, Anna. She was looking it up. She was like, the room, <laughs> the room cinematic relevance. Why is the room so special? And she got nothing. She got nothing. The only thing that she found... Oh, my God. Which I told you that she found was that it's semi-autobiographical. That's the only thing that she yes. found. But so it is semi-autobiographical to Tommy Wiseau's life. Like, in, like, a period of time of his life. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. Okay, blow my mind. This is live, guys. I don't know what Anna's going to say. <laughs> so you'll hear my vibration. I have been begging her to tell you me. You literally have. But I, I have been begging I every day. I, but I'm glad that you waited until this moment. So. I have. I've, I'm so genuinely. In first year, we did a module called Cult Films. And in it, we had to study The Room. Because The Room is is um, classed as probably the worst film in cinematic history. Yes, obviously. Obviously. But people love it so much because it's so fucking bad. And, like, the dialogue, the fucking sex scenes, the, <laughs> the awful budget, the establishing shots that are so irrelevant, like, yeah. it is amazing. And you have no idea. This film has... I think it has more five star reviews than any other rating <laughs> on Letterboxd. <laughs> no, because people just love how bad it is. And of course it's art because it's so fucking terrible. Like, oh my god, I told Johnny I was pregnant because I wanted to like spice things up. <laughs> I was like <laughs> it, but I think Millie was telling me because she literally was talking about this film two days before you recommended it to me. Really? Right? She was talking and I, I had no idea. I didn't like I my but like when you said the room, like I knew something connected. Yeah. She was like, "Oh yeah, the part where, the part where he's sitting on the roof with his pal, and he says something really sad, and Tommy Weasel like, like <gasps> oh laughs. that's got a story mark. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like it needs to happen. And he was like pushing for it to be in the film. And yes. the other people were like, no, you can't laugh at that. No, no, no. So basically, I read, I read some of the Disaster Artist, and in it. They were talking about this like whole scene, like, ha, ah, that's quite a story, Mark. And the person who played Mark, can't remember his name, the person who played Mark, told Tommy Wiseau to just be like kind of sad and plain, you know, like, it's a sad story, you should <laughs> yeah. react sadly. Yeah. So Tommy Wiseau, in one of the takes, said, like, looked dead at the camera and said, that's quite a story, Mark. Like, in the most monotone possible way, like, oh, it was no. haunting, apparently. Oh my god. So, so is that the big thing? Yeah, it's the worst film ever. Well, it's terrible, well, but it is so tell. terrible. Well, I knew no, that. 
Because if you went into it thinking, oh, it's terrible, you like, I wanted you to watch it for, like, no. serious. No. Yes, yeah, she wanted me to, yeah, well, I did get that. I was like, what the fuck is, like, I was looking. But I don't even know what the, the fuck, why, I don't even know why it's called The Room. What? Nobody why knows why it's called I was the like, room. I was trying to look, I was like, oh, and I was expecting it then, I was like, are they going to be stuck in this room? Because they were always in the living room. I was like, what the fuck? And they, Except for the, like, they're sometimes in the bedroom as well. Yeah, because they're shagging all the time. And sorry, those, like. And Neve so, just texts Neve text me. I know why are you making me watch porn? Literally though, it was like. Five but this was released like, in cinemas. Oh my god! But he was like, it was full on. You could see the penetration, and you could see his ass moving in and out. And I was like, I was like, stop! Why are you watching this? Oh my god! A bit of class. I mean, <laughs> a bit of class and a Whole lot of I, I, true. I was like, what the, what the fuck? And literally, but like me, Larry, me and Larry watched it last year, and we watched a version on YouTube that censored the the sex scenes, but they didn't cut them out. They just blurred it over and like muted the sound, so we had to wait there while they did the damn thing until it was over. But it was muted and, and censored, and it was hilarious. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh. So it's just the worst film ever. So now I, I want to that. ask you. Now I want to ask you, what was your big three? I could, I've literally written here. <laughs> I wrote. I wrote Ov's hidden meaning. So could it? <laughs> for, so there's no hidden meaning. There's no hidden meaning. <laughs> there's nothing. It's nothing. Good. And I have to say, I am really. I'm really disappointed because I was expecting some kind of like, I don't know. Some don't miracle. Know, some, like, I was expecting like, like, the secret behind the room or, I don't know. But it is, like, amazingly terrible. It is just, like, I it want to just, watch. But, like, I'm sorry, like, is this mean to say, but why is, why does he speak like that? Is that a choice? <laughs> I have not. We know shockingly little about Tommy Wiseau, like as a as the world. Well, he, we don't know he, who he was Millie born. Millie said he had a really um, yeah, because he had a really because he said he was born in one country and yeah, is that like it's right? very sketchy. Yeah, and, I, and like um, also in the disaster artist's book, they were talking about how he's basically so rich that it's like his bank account is like a bottomless pit. Which how is, is this also man? Strange. And he. I don't know. I want to know how big the budget was, though. I want to know how big the budget was. Because there's no way that that budget was over more than £10. Like, it was cardboard. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Why is it called The Room? Oh, my God. Six million. (laughs) (laughs) And also, when is it when two people just randomly go into Tommy's, to Johnny's house, and start shagging as well? Literally. What what was the point in that? What was the point? (laughs) It's Wait, a cinematic why, choice. Why is it called The Room? Let's see. These are questions that need to be answered. The work was reportedly intended to be semi-autobiographical in nature. According to Wiseau, the title alludes to the potential of a room to be the site of both good and bad events. The stage oh my God. from which the film is derived was so-called to its events taking place entirely in a single room. Well, that explains why it's based mostly in this one room. That makes sense. But and it's, that I'm doesn't sorry. translate. That doesn't translate because it <laughs> it, it was like, oh. Would you watch almost, it again? I would. Yeah, I would watch yeah, it again. Yeah, it is. 
I'm I'm gonna watch it again too. It's amazingly bad. Like it's... people go to the cinema, like to shout at the screen to see like every time. I was like, oh hi Mark is some one of the most iconic catchphrases in cinema history. Yeah, well Millie says that all the time, and I didn't get it before. And now she, now yeah. I'm just going, oh hi Mark. <laughs> I was like, I did not hit her. I did not. It is a bullshit. Yeah, I did not yeah. Hit her. Oh hi Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so it's so funny. Like I like. These people are like, have they ever had any other acting experience other than this? And what the I fuck think, was? Is it Frank Sinatra? No, no. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I'm sorry. God. I'm gonna look up who played Mark, and I will yeah. not look at Ralph. <laughs> because the disaster artist is based on Greg. So what Greg, is I the disaster artist? Greg Sestro. The Disaster Artist, I also recommend you watch The Disaster Artist because it's basically a film behind the making of The Room. Oh. And it is, it is really good as well. Um, but the book is amazing. The, it's a book? It's a book that was made into a film. Like, oh. it's basically Greg Sestro's memoirs of him being on set in The Room. And it is hilarious. It is so funny. Like, there's a part at the start of the book where Tommy's like, Tommy goes inside like six hours late on his first day. And he's like, don't just stand there, do something. <laughs> it's just, it's oh just hilarious. God. Do you know what I'm going to do? So basically, in, um, in the, um, in the, where I'm staying, in the student residence where yes. I'm staying in France, they have a cinema room. And you can project oh any film you want onto it. So I maybe we'll watch it in there. Let's see. Let's <laughs> see how it goes. That's that can be when you visit. And I we'll mean, watch you it there. have you have to agree that it is iconic oh, in all the worst is. ways possible. But I was like, why is there so much sex? But you said you were like, it's it's important for the plot. It's important, for, and I was like, what? This is not. I, I kind of was. Were you messing well, I mean, with it, me? It kind of is because it, it shows the love that. Johnny has no, for Lisa. No, no, it doesn't. He, he could buy her flowers. He could tell her he loved her. He could say, I didn't hit you. I didn't hit you. But it's the raw, raw sexual environment. Yeah, raw indeed. <laughs> raw pun I still haven't like watched the uncensored version, so I'm sorry I gave you the uncensored version. The It was uncensored. Yeah, it was uncensored. Yeah. What's the censored version? When they cut is, out all the sex? No, no, no. They don't cut it out. They like mute it. And they also like blur it, and that's yeah, it. that's what you yeah. yeah so that's, that's the I version watched. yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And you haven't seen the uncensored version. No. Oh. So. I'm sorry. Anna, you need to. Oh. I know I haven't left. I haven't like. Anna, it's bad. It's really bad. You can see it. You can see him moving in and out of her. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> you. Five minutes before we start this call, not really, but you every other minute of your life. Oh, I wish I was having sex. Oh, <laughs> I wish I wish someone hey, shagged me already. I don't want Tommy Wiseau to shag. I don't watch porn that has Tommy Wiseau in it. <laughs> Any other porn, just not the one with Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Okay. okay. What did you think of Ocean's Eight? I saw you only give it three and a half stars. It was okay. It was that okay. wasn't my favorite. No. I didn't. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So what? Go into a bit of detail here. So it's, um, I don't know what it. It's just, yeah, like none of the characters have any development in the film. Yeah, 
I think they're all and supposed just, to be pretty, like, their, their development I know it's supposed, supposed to be, supposed to be like, a, a, a bad bitch, like, heist <laughs> movie. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. But, like, there has to be something more than that because it just feels like a montage from start to finish. Like, I don't want to compare it to a heist because, you know, it's, it's, not, good to rec- it's not good to compare things, but I just couldn't stop myself thinking about the heist episodes in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and how much better they are done there. Did you see the bit where, the, the, where she goes into the shop and steals the perfect... It was good how they yeah, pulled it off, that though. was good. Yeah, that was, it was It was good how they pulled them off. Yeah. It was. It was satisfying, but, like, I just felt like there needed to be more obstacles, like, more easy... Because she was planning this for five years. Like, we could have seen some attempts or some, like... More built up because yeah, we yeah. just we started the film when she knew exactly what was happening and it did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was kind of boring because it became predictable. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I've only I've only seen it once, but I I have enjoyed it and like my dad loves it as well. Um, oh yes. So... Slay queen. <laughs> Slay. Um, meanwhile, your parents are watching Avatar. <laughs> yeah, our parents. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> jokes sorry robbie sorry marie i love you guys sorry i didn't mean to drag you there i'm sorry they have disowned you as their favorite daughter no i will forever um, be your favorite daughter i did like see i watched this right after little women uh-huh. and little women is so much better <laughs> but it's also a feminist film like it has a purely female like main characters Class, yeah mm-hmm. and i keep getting them mixed up with who's in who's in what film like, Meryl Streep is in Little Women, but not Ocean's 8. And Helena Bonham Carter is in Ocean's 8, but not Little Women. Helena Bonham Carter feels like she could be in Little Women. Exactly. She's got that kind of, like... I'm so excited to talk she... about Little Women now. Yes. Um, but as I was saying, like, just Helena Bonham Carter was my least favourite, I think, because she was so bad. Like, how the fuck did they not get caught? When she yeah. asked to take the necklace into daylight and then stood over it for, like, five minutes, scanning yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's... I gave it four stars. I thought it... I thought the execution was good, but I haven't seen it in, like, two years. So... Wow. Well, maybe not two years. Like, know, a year and a half? Maybe. I can't remember when I saw it. I think it's... Is it 29... Is it 2021 you watched, I think, because you, you reviewed it on Letterboxd, and I saw that you reviewed it on Letterboxd. Oh, so it must have only been last year. What did I say about it? You Let's said see. that Helena Bowman Carter was the best actress ever. Really? Hard. Yeah. Oh, well, I do love Helena Bowman Carter, so. Yeah. I thought, I thought she was good crown, in it, not her I character. I can't wait to get but... to. Yeah, I'm watching The Crown, and Helena Bowman Carter is in season three and four. I cannot wait to get yeah. to that. Woohoo. You've been watching like, The Crown, like, religiously. Forever. Yeah. No, I have not. Because I'm still only on season two. Oh, but you I mention not... it. You mention it all the time, though. It's great, but I just I just don't have the time for it. I'm well, so busy. Well, I wish I had time. Do you know yeah. that, like, I am so... This is just a little insight into my life, right? I get up. My first alarm rings at 7 a.m. My second alarm rings at half seven. And my final alarm rings at eight when I get up. I am at work by half past eight. I am at work until three o'clock. I come back. I have about three hours at home, which I need to write up my notes for the podcast, watch the films for the podcast, 
post social yeah. media stuff for the podcast. And then I have to go to my fucking quiz. I, I love my quizzes, question mark. <laughs> oh, but oh my God. Just think, in two weeks you'll be in France and you don't have fucking primary rent to go to and you won't have oh, quizzes into the night. I know. And you'll just be able to relax and enjoy France and all the beautiful architecture and you'll actually have time to watch our films. I will, and I'm so excited about next week's films. Films, oh. hint, hint. Hint, 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 hint. I do, love my, I do love my quizzing job, but sometimes I just wish I had the night to myself. And right now yeah. I have... The only nights I have, I have myself at all are Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And I'm always working a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I have my quiz on a Sunday, a Monday. I do this on a Tuesday and then I have a quiz on a Wednesday. So I yeah. do never, I never have a, a, a full day to myself. I know the podcast is really tough. <laughs> yeah, the po- to I hate the podcast. <laughs> I hate the podcast. No, this is definitely my, Let's my talk favorite film, thing. bitch. <laughs> um, yeah. As for my big three for Ocean's Eight, I don't, I couldn't really think of, like, I did think that the... Was it just meh? The plot, it was just meh, it was just very middle of the road. Like, I probably wouldn't watch this again, didn't really do it for much for me. Like, I I did stay awake for all of it, I'll have you Well, I think that is like, if if you stay awake for a film, I think it deserves more than three stars. You gave it more than three stars. If you fall asleep during the film, it's three and below. Exactly. Well, Perfect analogy. That's how that's how Anna takes it. Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. So, what did you rate the room on Letterbox? Oh, I rated it half a star. <laughs> you rated it half a star. Did you write a review? I wrote two reviews actually. Let me see. I just want to read these out on. Yeah. Um, on, um... I will say that the cinematography in Ocean's Eight is good because, like, they have although the the transitions are very weird. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of the transitions. They were very, like... Because it was, like, three bars and, like, page peels and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's not... Like, just, like, um, smash cuts would have been fine. Yeah. Um, what else would I like Did you watch film? The Room before or after you watched The Lego Movie 2? Um, before... Oh, wait. Hang on, hang on. I need to filter. No. Sort by... When added newest. There we go. Got it. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. First year. There it is. I have one question. Why is it called the room? Exactly. <laughs> and one of my course mates replied like saying like, maybe it's... Maybe the room was the friends you made along the way. Yeah, that was it. case, that's none. Haha. I think I remember hearing that Johnny and Mark were best friends. I could just be hearing things, though. Yeah. What was my other review? Did I, I have know. two reviews? I don't think so. Did I stop reviewing? Like, you've liked that? them. You've liked some reviews. I like that they put that everything in this film is fiction disclaimer at the end. This is <laughs> yeah. similar to any real-life scenario where your unofficial adoptive son gets a run-in with a drug dealer and your cheating fiancé and her mum who claims to be dying of breast cancer catch him and save him from being yeah. shot on the roof of your apartment that anyone can walk into and has framed spoon photos oh my while God. your fiancé plans to surprise your birthday party. Then again, that's not even a major plot point. <laughs> who was that who said that? Nix. Nix. I love Nix. Nix is in my course. Someone has well, said five stars. Review. So, top ten underrated lines from the room. If a lot of people love 
each other, the world would be a better place to live. <gasps> oh my god. Done touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, hey, Johnny, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how's your sex life? It seems to me like you're the expert, Mark. It, you're very welcome, Denny, and keep in mind, if you have any problems, talk to me and I will help you. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> honey. This is beautiful, Porty. You invited all, all my, my friends. friends. Good thinking. <laughs> it does sound like a children's movie, like on Disney Junior or something. Did you know chocolate is the symbol of love? I am so happy I have you as me best friend and I love Lisa so much. People are very strange these days. In a few minutes, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's iconic. I love it. Oh, someone has rated it one star. Listen, man, this thing is so bad from a technical standpoint and from any other standpoint, but as James Franco has been saying in every interview, there's something really good about it. I'll just leave it as that. James Franco? What is, how is he involved? I don't quite know how he's involved, but he it's is It's got 2.6 stars, and the ratings are, like, huge at the one star and huge at the five star. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, have you seen the room at home? Why would you Check rate it? Out. it? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Love it. Okay, shall we move on to our main segment? To the main events. Little women. I just want to quickly pause. Are you still recording? Is everything okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Cool, nice. Okay, so let's move on to our main event, little women. (laughs) Saws. You're doubting me! It was one time, Anna. It was one time. It was twice. When was it twice? We had to re-record that um, part as well. What part? Was it for... Yeah, but that wasn't my fault that the audio corrupted. Yes, okay, that's fine. That, okay. that was not my fault that the audio I'm just, corrupted. I just so... want a seamless editing experience. One of, these, one of these days, it'll be your fault. Me and okay. my squeaky chair. Oh, by the way, my squeaky chair is gone. You probably will have noticed by now, but I'm in a new chair and it doesn't do the squeaky squeaky. Woohoo, it doesn't squeak. You can still yes. hear me doing this, though. That's my beautiful glass table. Oh, nice. Perfect for recording a podcast where everything yes. should be silent. And you can probably hear Chef's my lovely kiss. computer fan because my you can computer also hear my computer fan, needs but its battery count. replaced. Yeah. Yippee! Right. Yeah. right, so, so let's jump women. right into Little Women. It is your turn to do 30 second summary. So you remember you the. Go. I can't I did. It. I did because I am so glad I don't have to do this 30 second <laughs> summary because it is back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I will oh be your turn already. I am terrified you should be i'm just glad i don't have to do it and i've got an easy job next week you have to 30 second summary films (laughs) (laughs) okay i was about to say it for 10 minutes no oh yes please (laughs) three two one (laughs) okay we get introduced to four sisters meg joe beth and meg And Beth, okay, Beth you can gets... start. You can start again. You can start again. Beth, Joe, Meg, and Amy. Amy. Right, you can start again. I'm going to give you a start again because you. you said Beth, Joe, Meg, and Beth. How did I? I thought I said Meg twice. Oh, oh no, you did say Meg twice. Oh, you said Meg twice. Anyway, 
I'm gonna give you There's another. A lot of sisters. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you another goal. This is the only time. To... Three, two, one. Yeah. Four sisters, Meg, Beth, Amy, and Joe, have following their lives in I think it's twentieth century Britain, and nope, nineteenth. It's 18th? America. America. It's sure. America. And um, we've got fifteen well, seconds. Beth, Beth gets sick. Amy gets married to Larry, and um, Meg gets married to someone else. Beth dies, Joe writes a book, and Marmee is very sad at the end. But they all have Christmas together. Laurie. Laurie, that's his name. (laughs) First of all, it is set in the US of A. Yes, but when is it set? Um, is it... Sorry, you just heard me banging about my phone on the... Chair on the glass table. Um, I, is it not 18-something? 1860? When is Little Women set? I'm sure it's 18-something. Probably will 1868. not 1868. Yeah, well, see, yeah. Saws. So that is so when 19th, it's set. So 19th century America. Got it. There Got you it. Go. Good. So, very well done. Ish. I don't know sure. if I can say well done there. Yeah. I don't know if I can say well done. That was a tough one. This is like, it, there's not much plot, but at the same time, there's so much going on. I'm going to come to this. I'm going to come to this. But before I do, before we jump in, I'm going to give my little thing that I always yes. do. Your little spiel. So, Little Woman is a 2019 film directed by Greta Gerwig. The cast includes Saoirse Ronan as Joe March, Florence Pugh as Amy March, Emma Watson as Meg March, and Eliza Scalin as Beth March, also with Laura Dern as Marme, and Timothy Chalamet as Laurie. It grossed a total of $218.9 million with a $40 million budget. Only $40, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was quite, um, I thought that was quite good. Um, So it won the Oscar, and also, I believe, the Oh, no, the what's the other one? Is it the Brett Academy or, Award? The BAFTA, the BAFTA, BAFTA, the BAFTA. So it won the Academy Award and the BAFTA for costume design, but it was also nominated for the best adapted screenplay, and Florence Pugh and Saoirse Ronan were both up for their roles for winning an award yes. for their roles as Joe and Amy, respectively. Um, now I did Amazing. before we jump into this, I do want to highlight two e facts that I found okay. on IMDb. Yes. Um, you know, the trivia Im bit. Imdb. So this film was quite famous for having a um, hydro flask appear and a water bottle appear in one of the shots. Um, like there's, there's a, I don't know what you call it in film, but like they forgot to take them out of the shot and you can see a hydro flask and a plastic water bottle oh, sitting there. Oh no! So I think it's, I think it's in Laurie's study or something there's there's a <laughs> hydro flask and a plastic bottle there um which made Whoops. it into film somehow shout um, out to the hydro flask and water bottle obviously um but also i thought this was quite interesting so when Sasha ronan found out that greta gerwig was going to be creating this film um she messaged her sent her an email saying i'm i'm gonna be joe right you know i i I'm Joe, yeah. and uh, I think Greta was quite reluctant to work with her because she'd just worked with her on Ladybird. Oh, um, I see. But 
she couldn't turn her down and just sent an email back saying, yes, you're Joe. Um, Imagine if that didn't work out. And apparently, Greta took it, it was very Joe March to do that. Just oh, to yeah, say. of course. You know, yeah. it's, it, is, it is very much in character just to say, that's mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and what an amazing job she does. This film is... So good. I have to admit, the first... I had to watch this film over two days. So I watched the first 20 minutes last night and I was very disappointed. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I have had a dreadful day today. I have had such a bad day. And I, the last thing, in all honesty, that I wanted to do was watch Little Women. Now, I see. was like, I was like, no, I didn't want to watch it. But I got myself in the bath, I put it on, and I fell in love with it. I did. I had the same thing happen with me. I didn't want to watch Little Women either, like because mm-hmm. it was two hours and fifty minutes. I was exhausted from work last night, and I just yeah. like I had to have a two-hour nap just so I wouldn't fall asleep before it. Um, and if, I will agree that the act one is very confusing and very it like. It is confusing. It is. Thank you. But once you pick it... up on the like what's the going on aesthetic yeah. change, like with the warm and cold lights, it makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I just I love this film. I mean, I, I was I was reluctant to tell you that I didn't take to it immediately because I saw you gave it. Spoiler, five-star review mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. Um, and I thought, oh no, I'm going to have to explain myself. I'm going to have to... But I just... I was really confused with the back and forth. I was, was really confused. And, like, I think Act 1 is just... It's got a tough job because it's got, like, four to six main characters it has to establish. Like, I was getting the sisters confused for a while. Oh, so was I. I was like, which one's Meg? Which one's Amy? I was like... yeah. I was really confused. Also, one thing that never, that I didn't even realize until I was looking up the cast, Amy is the youngest sister. Yeah, Amy's the youngest sister. Was that I not thought, obvious? I thought Beth was the youngest sister. No, Amy's the youngest sister because she's the most immature of them all. Well, because I was writing down a bit about the character, I was writing down that Meg has classic older sister or, or oldest yes. sister syndrome. And then I, I put in brackets, and Amy, young and spoiled, because I was going to write, she has youngest sister syndrome, but then I was like, she she's does. not the youngest sister. She is, yes. But I, then I was like, oh, fuck, she is the youngest sister. But I yeah. didn't realise that. So I don't know if that was just because, I don't know if that was established in the first 20 minutes of the film, and I didn't pick up on that because I was like, because, I mean, I, I am very much like, if I don't like a film, I don't like it. Like, I can't sit through it. I don't want to watch it. And I was, I have to say, I was that way about West Side Story. I was very stubborn. That is very obvious in the podcast. I was very, like, I didn't like this film. I, you know, I could appreciate it for what it is, but I didn't like it. Um, but this film, I'm so glad that I did watch it. And I really loved yeah, cause it. Because it, so. it was you who recommended we do an episode on this as well. Well, I was. So I'm, it, I'm it glad was that you me. stuck to it. Because it, yeah. it's a great choice. Oh, it's a really good choice because it, you know, it's um, the one thing I really like about this film is that it's. I'm so glad it was directed by Greta Gerwig and not some male director. Exactly. Um, because that comes across so much in the sweetness and the heartfelt nature yes. of the film. Um, you know, I'm not the saying that women is are just second to none. Oh, 
Absolutely. I think I think that you know I'm not saying that all women are sweet and and beautiful and oh oh you know but, but this film needed that and it's all about yeah. it's all about what a woman is supposed to be. Exactly, and it also like the the girls, the sisters are not what a woman is supposed to be in the nineteenth century. But that makes them all the more lovable. And yeah, they have flaws, like Amy burns Joe's book. But I was like, I was angry that she did that. But I, mm-hmm. I forgave her pretty damn fast. Like, faster than I thought I would. I forgot about it very quickly because I love Florence yeah. Pugh. Can I just say one yeah. more thing? Before we jump into our sections, Emma Watson is gorgeous. Gorgeous. She looked better than she has ever looked in this film. Oh my God. That... Her hair, just like... She really suits this, like, 18th, 19th century, like, uh, costume. Oh, she really does. And I'm, I, she'll always be Hermione. She'll always mm-hmm. be Hermione. But, oh, my God, she was phenomenal. As Meg, yeah. Amazing. And she, she wasn't up for an award for this film. It was Florence and Saoirse Ronan. But, oh, my God. And, she, and I think Meg definitely had, like, you know, it was obviously focusing more on the differences between Joe and Amy, I felt. I felt like the comparisons between Amy and and um, Meg were more in like a kind of, but like a older sister versus younger sister di- mm-hmm. dynamic. But whenever it was Joe versus Amy, it was always like Meg was with, Meg and Beth were with Joe and Amy was on her own kind of thing. Yeah. You know, when, when did Amy did like... burn the book and... Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. Um they came to, to comfort Joe. It's just such an amazing dynamic to have and it's so well balanced. Mm-hmm. Like I got I so well that Meg was the more mature one, that Joe mm-hmm. was the feisty one, Amy was the youngest one, and Beth was the quiet one. Like Beth didn't say anything, but I also felt her presence. And it's not like it was tilted too much towards the other sisters because she like she played the piano and she was like she was really well characterized in her quietness. Yeah. Uh-huh. And as someone who has been quiet for most of her life, it's very <laughs> nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I um I I as I say, I was I was put off by the first twenty minutes and I didn't know where it was going. Um it was only it's only now that I think back to it that when you said oh the shift from the warm to the cool that I can actually notice it now because yeah. I didn't notice it when I was watching it but now I can see it in my head I can see that mm-hmm. but it wasn't until like after that first 20 minutes that I actually realised okay this is in the past and this is where we are now and this yeah. I was really it was confused when, it was when I think when it clicked was when Beth was sick and they said oh we're going to go to the sea and then yeah, it uh-huh. cut back to them going to the sea as like younger sisters, I think. No, that's that's the same for me. It was around that yeah. time, so I think that's mm-hmm. that's something that like took it down a bit for me. I was like, I was quite confused. I don't know if the, I, I didn't like. So we got that she was a writer in the start, but yes, I was a bit. Mm, I there was something about it that just wasn't drawing me in enough, um. But definitely gets better as it matures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what do you, what do you want to cover first? It's up to you. So shall we talk you. about the um, shall we talk about the plot first? Okay, perfect. Okay, let's delve right into the plot. So I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Um, at the start, yes, at the start, she goes to this 
um, publishing company. Yeah. And she gives over a With short a story. story. Yes. And they say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can handle stuff in. As long as if you're going to make a female protagonist, um, you have to make them get married at the end, which I thought was absolute bullshit. And I got very angry at that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good establishment and... of what was going to come, though. Because obviously we yes. see that... Um, we see that Meg feels like she needs to marry and Amy wants to get married to someone rich but mm-hmm. Joe never has that interest and often says that she doesn't want to get married. Also I feel like before we should yeah. before we jump into this we should also mention that this is obviously a book. Um, you know, very famously yes, a book. Of course. Was written by Louisa May Alcott and it's also semi autobiographical. Loosely based on her life and her sisters. Um, But she was also queer, Millie said. Really? Damn. Uh Uh-huh. Which comes into Joe's story where she doesn't want to get married. Wink, wink. But she does get married at the end. I guess it's like, I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't, like, is Joe bisexual? Like, I think the biggest, I, the biggest I issue I have with the plot is the fact that she just decides to marry him at the end. I mean, I but guess I think that's she's more a part of her character, though. I feel like that's more of her, like, yeah, that's more a kind of sign to say, because Oh, I guess I just have to, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that's because there's no story, hope but... in hell that she's going to be in a, like, a, a lesbian no. relationship in the 19th century. Um, not at all, no. Let's see. I just... um, At the start, so the man's reading this, like, short story, and the way he, like, flips the pages down on the mm-hmm. table, it just feels very exploitative of him. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, definitely. It's, it's all very raw and out in the open. Yeah, like, and I can feel for Joe because, you know, it's not easy critiquing someone's work, especially when you've poured hours and hours into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it also really establishes really quickly that marriage is supposed to be the most important thing in a girl's life. Like, that is what they are supposed to, like, do. Get uh, married. Yeah, that's it. Their, their master. B, um, I think, I think Amy puts it really nice at one point. She says, be an ornament to society. Yes. Which I think is, Which is... perfect. It's perfect because that's, that really was all that women were, was ornaments things to be pretty and mm-hmm. take advantage of um, exactly like i think their it, money wasn't their own they yeah. didn't have their property wasn't their own it was all down to the husband mm-hmm. and like that is really awful that is oh, disgustingly yeah. bad but this film like it really worked well because it was so independent and there was so little male um influence in the film Oh on yeah, screen. and you saw how, um, how the girls can only be themselves around like their sisters. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I think there was also a real charm to Laurie in the fact that he wasn't like he was obviously rich, but he wasn't this like stereotypical, obnoxious. Because Timothy Chalamet is inherently quite feminine. Yeah, because he wants to join the acting club as well. Yeah, it's it's but it, like him as a as an actor, he's he's got quite a feminine mm-hmm. um, presence, um, much more than he does a masculine presence. 
Yeah. Um, and I did feel that in this film that it was sort of whimsy in a way. Mm-hmm. And I also want to stress that Joe fighting for the publishing rights to her own book <laughs> is very reminiscent of a certain artist who is trying to re-record her well, songs, but is having trouble getting the copyright name. for. Is having trouble getting the copyright for a certain number one single from nineteen eighty nine. It could possibly delay the album release until twenty twenty three. I saw that. Isn't that ridiculous? Ridiculous. When is it? When is it? Shake it off. Yeah, but it's because it's going to court. I know in January twenty twenty three. But the date was was it not supposed to be fifth of December? No. It was January twenty third. Twenty twenty three is when the court. But when was the original date? Because it got pushed. The original date. Like, I there was an no original day and then it got pushed and then it was like... Yeah. But yeah, I just... Yeah, that's true. I did I did like that. But I, fe- I feel like the most important thing to do... I, I remember saying this about um, Nomadland is that there's not really a plot, but there is. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, there's no particular event. There's no plot convenience. No. It's all... It all um, feels a sto- very it's, it's real. It's a story. It's yeah. that, and that is exactly it's what I said about Nomadland. Four stories, mm-hmm. in the perspective of one sister, which is Joe. Uh huh. Who's yeah. obviously the main character. Did you like Joe? I'm interested to know. I did. I thought she was a very relatable character. She was very like, you know, she was a strong female representation. Like every every woman in the 19th century was supposed to just like, you know, marry and take it and take everything. And Joe was like fighting for her writes fighting to be a writer like you know just fighting for her sisters she was very very passionate and i love to see that in her mm-hmm. what about you there was something that kept me from liking her as much as i feel like i should have i definitely felt i don't know if this is because i am in the oldest sibling but there's something that kept drawing me to meg Maybe it was just Emma Watson's pure beauty. I wanted to see more of her on the yeah. screen. And Emma Watson is an amazing actress in this as well. Oh, she blew it. She just did Stunocious. so well. Um, but I think I was definitely more interested in the weight it takes to carry your family, which is what yeah. Meg's story was about. So I wasn't as drawn to Joe as I, I think I should have been. I don't know. I was a bit yeah. kind of like... Joe to me reminds me of those novels we read back in English, like Holden Caulfield. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Nick, She's a total. The neighbor in the Great Gatsby. Oh, what's his name? Nick. Uh... Nick something. Caraway? Is it? Nick Caraway. That's it. Yeah. Is it Caraway? I think it's gotta be right. Yeah, I think I think yeah. so. Um, like those kind of. Um... Unreliable narrators. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think I'm... I think. Yeah. Really interested to read the book. Oh yeah, I want to read the book too. I think um. I I don't know. I think, I I was almost frustrated with. With her that with um, Joe that she couldn't see, what was going on. Like she she wasn't giving Laurie any of this. Like obviously I I was feeling this sympathy, but I was also feeling this like. Like, I don't know. I was feeling like a conflict of some reason. Like between Joe and Laurie? Between, like, the kind of love triangle with Joe, Laurie and Amy. I was feeling quite like... 
you like when she decided she wanted him yeah i was like he begged but, you like he was i know but like at the same time joe's only doing that because she feels lonely exactly. and it's like it's settling for someone because like she's not a romantic type you know she doesn't like adhere to marriage and it's true form of like being faithful but husband she just wants company then that was like also that was really conflicting innocent. though that was also conflicting because it's set up right at the start that amy is like the spoiled uh, spoiled bratish but she always feels like she's second to joe and yeah. i felt i felt bad for both of them when amy and laurie got married because obviously like I was like, that's shitty to go and marry your your ex lover's sister. That's shitty to go do that. I don't yeah, think like, Joe and Laurie were ever involved though. No, but he loved her. He loved yeah. her. So it's shitty of him to go, Oh, I'm just gonna go to your sister. I I mean this was over like the span of what, ten, fifteen years? Seven years, I think. Seven years. Um like But still I that wouldn't that I, I I was a bit and then for Amy to take that on, but then she had this conflict feeling like she was never she good was enough. never be good enough better than Joe, but if she had Laurie she would be and uh, and I don't know. It was I don't know. I, it is a very strange situation. But it goes to show like how like you know, there was never you had one person and um Amy was attracted to Laurie both because she loved him, but also because he had money as well. Yeah. yeah. So, one, like, one... I feel like Amy and Laurie married because Laurie had money at the end. Oh, definitely. I it didn't feel any sort of, like, true... I think Amy was just looking for the, the richness, which is what she saw in Fred Vaughn. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing with this plot is that you feel a billion different emotions you feel every because emo- there were some parts where i was so giddy and like they were they were dancing and i and know meg was at her ball and you know she was pretending to be someone else that's another thing it I really can't is wait- the highs and lows of life like you know you can go from dancing in a ball and having mm-hmm. like the a most amazing time and mm-hmm. reaping the energy from this from the screen and then going to like dull like your sister's on her deathbed like i i did like shed a tear when beth passed away the the one part that really got to me was when joe was lying beside her saying don't go quietly yeah you know make a big scoot and i just i could see that image in my mind it was painted so clearly of her just mm-hmm. screaming and i was like oh. and obviously mm-hmm. i'm listening to the hunger games just now so like this don't go quietly thing like it's all like it's all yeah, racing exactly. in you know um so that that really did hit me but mm-hmm. it was just like a really it was just a film about sisters and yeah the, it was the a film about unity them, and and the dynamics and, yeah um also like the self like they're so selfless like yeah they're so nice. I love this family. I love the Marshies. And I feel like Marmy, although I didn't really get that she was an impatient, like she had to cover her impatience. I don't think Laura Dern really like 
serve that. In I her. think that was I think that was the whole point though, because she was she was falling into a stereotype of being a woman as well and being a a mother. She yeah. was falling into this, so she's always impatient, but she never shows it, and that's what's expected of a woman who's a mother. I guess. So that's that's why she that's, was okay. Yeah. <laughs> you saying I guess. <laughs> Sorry. I guess. I was like, well, I was I like no, I am absolutely right in that. That is, that yeah. is that is right. She, she, you know, that she herself yeah. has fallen victim to what a woman is meant to be and what a mother mm-hmm. is meant to be because that's what the story is about. It's yeah. What's the definition of an American girl? Exactly, but I, I want because you said that Joe is an unreliable narrator, which I agree with. I wonder how unreliable her portrayal of Marmy is. Like is because Marmy is a saint in this film. Like she can do no wrong. She is the most yeah. selfless, caring person in the world, and it just almost feels too much. Like she has to have some flaws. And she's always the person that Joe looks at when something goes wrong. Yeah, like, you know when when that that heartbreaking scene where Beth passes away, and it's the oh it's God, those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Marmee says to Joe at one point, she says, you're just like me, I'm impatient. And when she find, when Amy and uh, Joe are having their moment where do you know that Laurie and I got married, she, Joe has just confessed this to Marmee and they're sharing a, they're, they share a look of yeah. like uh, sympathy. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like maybe... I don't know. She's got a preference. I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I just loved how the sister's father was not in the film at all until like the end. See, I was just about to talk about this because it's quite interesting. So, I think the title "Little Women" really says something. You know, it's a the title mm-hmm. is about them like. Little it's women. about their we're, lives. We're innocent. We're we're yes. we're innocent and we're we're pure and we're we're not going to amount to much. We're going to do what we're told and we're going to do this and we're we're just little women. Uh-huh. And we we do the housework and such and such. But when I was looking up information about the film, um, my IMDb always comes up in French because my computer said French. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's called the English translation is. I think it's the the daughters of Doctor March. Ooh. Um, let me just double check that. I'm sure it is a French title. Uh, so yeah, the les filles du Doctor March. So yeah, that's the daughters of Doctor March or the girls of Doctor March. Wow. Um, in Germany, it's just called Little Women. And it looks like, it looks like a lot of other ones are are similar where it's just the same. It's it's just Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like the title kind of undermines them, in itself. Like they're just Little Women, you know. Yeah, but I f- I feel like that has a double meaning. It's Little oh, Women, totally. but they're. You know, it, it totally has a double meaning, but I feel like that the daughters of Dr. March completely tells a different story altogether. Exactly, yeah. 
you know, because with the title Little Women, you you think they're not going to amount to much, but this shows they've got so much more. And maybe There's so much I mean, potential. This is where translation comes in. So, because if you were mm -hmm. to say, because I was thinking about it before I watched the film, I was thinking about what would the French title to this be? Because you know, as a translator, that's what we do. And I was thinking, Petite Femme. That's Little Women, literally. But if you yeah. were to say that, the French would think of little as in physically little women. And oh, okay. little doesn't have the same connotations as it does here in English as it does in French. Right. But I think that title, The Daughters of Dr. March, doesn't connotate the same meaning no. that little women has for an English native speaker. No, because it definitely feels like like, even if the father isn't involved, it's still his story, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like he's, in, he's unnecessarily mentioned. Yeah. Which is like, what, the film is a feminist film, you know, exactly. it's, it's... Or it's a feminist book as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Definitely prefer a little woman to the daughters of Dr. Marsh. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love how, how just pure and raw it was when they all saw their father for like the first time in years oh it was lovely that was, it was so really cute. nice because he'd been fighting in the civil war yeah that was really nice um just the dialogue in general like i just can't fault it the writing mm -hmm. is impeccable it it gets across the time the nine the mm -hmm. 1800s and like and the sisters talk so fast to each other but they never talk over each other. Like, it's... The timing of the dialogue is so well... Like I feel like I read something to say that there was a lot of speaking over each other written in the script. I read something. Right. And it, I... I can't remember, but their personalities all come through. You, you know who each of... Which part each one plays in the family dynamic very, very early on. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, it's just amazing. I yeah, it's a really complex film. I mean, any it any. Really I is. mean, Little Women is a classic, right? Little Women's a, a classic. And I feel like this yeah. film has become an instant cl a classic, and a feminist cult film. Of course. Um, and you know, if if you haven't seen this, then you know. What are you, you doing? Know. Go watch it. Oh, you're yeah. back. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. it's really hard to sum up everything because you know you're you're trying exactly. so hard to sum up, but it's it's really difficult. So I think we should move on yeah. to characters. Yes, but before we move on, I want to say like I did so invested in the third act. It is flawless cinema. Yeah, I did not take a single note through the entire like last twenty minutes of the film. Yeah, it sucked me in completely. I loved when she was watching the book get made, and it was the cuts. Yeah, that was really lovely. Really Which is obviously not a part... That's not part of the book. It's not in the book that Joe is writing a book. I don't think. Is it? No, it's not. I don't think it is. No. No, it isn't. It, it, Joe is the narrator in the book. And yeah. the book is also linear as well. Like, it doesn't jump back and forth. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think... I think it could have been better established... The yeah. time like it's with dates, maybe with even with dates, like at the start. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a lot more 
easy um, for us to catch on. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So characters. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so. So my favorite was... character was Meg. I think Meg is so Meg, interesting. Yeah. Um, she really Meg is. takes on this. She is burdened by being the oldest child. Mm-hmm. I know that you know we're both oldest children, and I know that definitely I feel that oldest child pressure to, you know, and she she obviously doesn't want to do this, like because she's she goes off to this ball and she's like, it's when she gives the false names when she says, oh, I'm Daisy, and she wants to go buy oh, no. that, and you can tell she's longing for something, and then when she's longing for the dress, and she buys she spends fifty dollars on a dress fabric to make a dress, mm-hmm. and. She's pulled into this life, sucked into this life that's that's yeah, not more than at all any of other sisters. I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you feel such a sim- sympathy and pity for her of what her life could have been. I mean, obviously she's happy and she's in love, and she's she says to John, she's like, "Oh, I'm so I'm devoted to you," which is what it feels like to be in love. You'd give up every, mm-hmm. everything else and all your other dreams. Yeah. But you can't help but feel a twinge of pain and. And guilt and for envy. her, you know. Or like, you can't because um, Meg ends up returning the fabric, and it's like, yeah, I don't need it, and that it's it's really strange because you can look at it one way, like she's not worth the money, but at the same time, she doesn't need the materialistic objects to make herself happy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just I I really thought she was great, yeah. and Emma Watson just did a fabulous job. Emma Watson's probably my favorite actress in this. This film. was a this was a perfectly cast film. It was. I was going to say the exact same cast. thing. Yeah. There, there's no one better. I mean, this was pretty early in Florence Pugh's career as well. I think. I think she had done Midsummer by this point, but Florence Pugh yeah. is amazing. She Florence Pugh really? plays this yeah. perfect spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. And I love Laura Dern as well. Like, Laura Dern was really good in this. All. Laura Dern was really, really good in this. You know, obviously, uh, she's in Jurassic Park and she's in, I think, The Politician on Netflix as well. Um, oh, okay. But I, she was really good. I really enjoyed her. She wasn't. I wasn't expecting to see her in this. I didn't really understand yeah. Meryl Streep's character. I thought Meryl Streep was a bit. I didn't. The, the, I didn't Streep enjoy Meryl a... Streep's performance, to be honest. She, I didn't enjoy that performance. Uh, at March, she is completely corrupted by the sister. Is she the sister's father's sister? Or is she... She's the Marty's... father's sister. Yeah. Yeah. She's totally corrupted. She does not want love. She wants to marry to get through in the world. She's but all I... about the class. I feel like she's the least corrupted. In a way, really, because aren't they corrupted by the the idealist, the the idea of a real woman? Don't Meg and Amy fall into that corruption of having what a woman's life should be? Aunt March doesn't have Do that. They? Well, because Meg I has the family. Get... Meg has the family, right? And Amy marries the rich guy, so but... they're what. But Aunt March told Meg to marry rich. Like, she told all of them to marry rich. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry, I was, I was yeah. forgetting that. But at the same time, she's living alone and she's she's rich. 
But maybe yeah. like she and herself, her per- you know, she's not married, she's rich, and she, but she says the only way for a woman to be rich is if she is you know if she marries into wealth. You can't. Yeah. You sh- the only way you like, can't marry is if you're born rich. Exactly. But no, I I was getting I was getting wrong there. That's that's not right. Yeah, because like like I said before, women don't own shit in this world. Damn! Didn't you yeah. say it? <laughs> um, Watch out, guys! Yeah, and and March, one of my one of the most thought provoking lines, and one of the, probably the lines that get that got the most made the most impact in me was, "You're not made to think." Like that was so like, damn! She yeah. really said that. Yeah, and you know, it's like she has this idea of what she is the one that's imposing these um rules. Yeah, on the girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I was so heartbroken when when Joe didn't get to go to to Paris. Um and she'd been counting on that and then she chose Amy, which is It makes sense, but at the Amy same time over the, and Amy is so spoiled brat. She gets she doesn't get to go to the ball, so she tears, she burns the, the novel. I how, know, that is how, disgusting. And then she she gets to go to Europe, and she takes that place yeah. without hesitation, and then she marries the guy, but you feel... <laughs> Amy you doesn't... Can, you can see how she's in the shadow of Joe, but at the same time, you mm-hmm. feel like you just want to punch her and be like, bitch, you're taking, yeah. you know, you're... T- you you can't help but feel sorry for both of them. Exactly. It's, a, it's constant yeah. conflict. Exactly. It's like a competition through the entire film mm-hmm. between the two of them. And that's what makes the the scene where Amy tells Joe that uh, her and Laurie are together so endearing because Joe finally accepts that maybe Amy has been overshadowed by Joe and you know, like Joe never felt the way Amy felt for Laurie, you know, because mm. Amy loved Laurie. So, of course, like it's the best thing to do. And it's again selfless that um, Joe is letting Amy marry Laurie and also yeah. um, well, go to Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think of Laurie? I thought he was hot. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, I know I'm a lesbian, but Timothy Chalamet just does not do it for me. He's never done it for me. Yum. No, he's not <laughs> yum. He's not yum. He's... He, he was a good side character. I loved how it was the male love interest this time. Instead of a female love interest. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was nice how he was chasing after her. And she, Joe was so unbothered, um, I know. which is so true to her character. I think we're, we're, we're not even talking about Joe at this point. You know, Joe is, she is the rebellion. See, that's how you know I've been listening to fucking the rebellion. <laughs> when I'm like, oh, she is the rebellion. Fuck's sake. Katniss Everdeen, get out of my head. Yeah, um, yeah she really is. Um, I feel like they also have a great like friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and she obviously doesn't want to lose that and that hints exactly. into the kind of sapphic queer energy that she mm-hmm. gives off like I don't think women enjoys. can have male friends they just have their husband like they have to be nice to other men 
You know, I just because Meg doesn't have any male friends. Wait, Amy doesn't wait. have any male friends. In real life, you don't think women can have male friends? No, I'm not. No, I'm saying in the film, <laughs> in the time period that it's set. I was like, bestie. Yes, Lar- Larry and Stop. I run like real friends. <laughs> of course not. In the film, I'm talking about. Yeah, I like, yeah. I've, there's a certain level of yeah, you need to yeah. and respect. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't act like the sisters act with Larry in real life. No, in the film, just making it completely sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's that's right. I got I got real confused there. I was like, what the fuck is she on about? <laughs> yes, don't um, worry. I am a feminist all the way. I feel like we've we've talked quite a lot about the themes already, but what did you what did you get for themes? Theme of feminism, obviously. Mm-hmm. Honesty. Uh, innocence. Yeah. Coming of age. Yeah, it's it's a coming of age film. That's what it is. Yes, of course. It's a coming and it's of age coming film. of age film for all of the sisters. Like it's yeah, not just, not just not just Joe. It's it's and that's what makes yeah. it so good. That's, and obviously mm-hmm. we see how that's ripped away from Beth. So you know she. Yes. She never really. Comes she never of really age. comes of age. Yeah, because she. She's, she doesn't ever move out. She doesn't find a person. No, she just, she has just her got piano. her music. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how they all have their separate things. Like, Meg has acting. Amy has mm-hmm. painting. Uh, Joe has, writing, and. Beth has music mm-hmm. like it's so it's so amazing that they have these individual personalities and it also is really brutal when the professor at the school like bungs up Joe's hand like to stop her from paint or Amy's hand from yeah. to stop her from painting yeah but she is, to be fair the reason that she's doing that is because the reason that he's doing that is that not because she drew a funny picture of him is that not the reason I mean why? yeah but like if I'm at if no, I'm, I mean yeah yeah Still. I think it's no but it, there's a there's a thing behind it say, but I feel like well I don't know I don't know but um, definitely it's coming of age full stop um, mm-hmm. but you get you also get this like theme of like what a woman should be and the ideals of feminists and feminism and femininity that's exactly. what I'm looking for the ideals and- of femininity Yes, and femininity can be explored in so many different ways through all the sisters. Like, Beth can be quiet. Oh, my mouth is so dry. I have no delicious just left. <laughs> yes, you were drinking. <laughs> Anna just picked up her water bottle, which is clear and has a straw in it, and drank and was trying to suck, like... <laughs> the, the last millimetre of, of delicious. The last millimetre. Because I have no delicious in the house anymore. Oh, it's guys, a delicious emergency. If you didn't know, Anna is absolutely addicted to Tesco's yes. mango and orange, orange and mango. Orange and mango. Orange and mango diluting juice. I love it. Were you it's not the just drinking stuff. apple and blackcurrant though? Because I've I've run out I've run out of the good stuff, so I'm on to the backups. By now I have no backups. There's literally not an ounce of delicious juice in this fucking house. You know, can so I, I tell think... you guys can I tell you guys a story? When yes. Anna Anna helped me move into my flat. Oh my god, no. And no. She was so thirsty, right? She I was, was, I was She was so thirsty, but she would re- she refused to drink water. I tried, okay, I tried. You refused to drink water. You were like, "No, no, I can't do it. We need to go get the just." So I'm sorry. Thank, 
Thank God there was a 24-hour Asda, Asda two minutes away from me. And then we and also got McDonald's, so. No, we got Domino's. McFlurry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I can't remember. You just there, was a, the there was a McDonald's in the Asda, though. I know that. Yes, yeah. But I, yeah. you just went, you just went, McFlurry. McFlurry. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a McFlurry that day at all. We've had many a McFlurry, but it was not that night. Because remember, we got Domino's and watched Drag Race. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. But the moral of the story is Anna doesn't drink water and she yeah, refused. I had just moved into my new flat and she, the I biggest was the priority. I to try on the water. Her, <laughs> the biggest priority on her mind was I need to look just now. It was not. I, I kept that to myself for four hours. <laughs> and I thank you for that. Okay, let's head back to theme after our little our little uh, tangent on delinges. Yeah, yeah. Us go. Us going back to themes. So yeah, um, I think I think coming of age and, and innocence yeah. as well as you said, and innocence, innocence being. Yes. You know, there's one point where Joe says, is it Joe that goes, I can't believe childhood is officially over. I know. Which just, you know, it's, then mat- it's maturing. It's, it's moving into maturity, which is yeah. hard. And as I said, the theme of love is in here as well. And it's mm-hmm. like the... Different types of love as well. The definition of love. Because yeah. love, there's a fine line between love and money in this film. Yeah. Like, yeah. And a lot of the time, you marry for money. Or you marry for, is it economic? Economic something? It's yeah, I, I know the bit you're talking about. Yeah. But, like, it's the difference between Amy and, and Meg in this situation because Meg is, you know, she's giving back, she's selling the fabric that she bought because she's in love with this guy. But Amy, uh, I mean, she does turn down Fred Vaughn for what she deems as love, but Laurie's still rich. Exactly, yeah. So it's not really a fair comparison. You can't really, yeah. you know. Like, it's just like love has definitely been corrupted for capitalism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to choose who you love. Or you, you don't choose who you love. It's only for money. Mm-hmm. And also, there was a giant amount of people with hats at like the start and end of the <laughs> film. Did you notice <laughs> that? No, I didn't. Really? Because, like, no. <laughs> when she's heading back, when she's heading back in the train station from her her um, publishing meeting at the start of the film, every person is wearing a hat except her, which is a really striking visual for me. Like, Oh, I didn't and, even And I also that. saw it at the end of the film, and I think, for me, it represents, like, a false facade of uh-huh. people. Yeah. But for, like, the, the March, March sisters, they are... Like, they're so pure. Like, they are themselves. Uh-huh. They don't need a hat to cover themselves. Like, it's a false facade of what you have to do to fit into society in public. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's kind of a motif for that. I agree. It's, it's also... Because Aunt March is always wearing a hat. She's always wearing, like, a flowery thing at the top of her head. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Good on you. I would never notice that. Yes. I just be filmmaking it up here, noticing <laughs> these little motifs in the film. What did you think about the soundtrack? For me, there wasn't much of a soundtrack to notice. It's definitely not the first thing that comes to my mind. 
Really? I had... Well, I mean, it's not really a soundtrack. It's more like... Score. Score. Um, but I just loved... Like, the score put it firmly in the 1800s. Like, with the old oh. flutes, the string instruments, the piano ballads. It felt very it delicate, very ethereal to me. It didn't really stand out to me, to be honest. Ethereal. My favourite word ever. Ethereal. My favourite word ever is um, fruition. Fruition, yes. Fruition. We'll come to ethereal fruition someday. Oh, Anna, that was beautiful. <laughs> I think uh, the only musical parts that I really noticed was when Beth was playing the piano and I thought, oh, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I, I was more intrigued in the story, but it would be, you know, obviously the music enhances that. I've said this time and time again, yeah. scores, you know, the film would be nothing yeah. without score emotionally. But um, I, I do think the... the um, I, I didn't notice it. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is beautiful. Really? I thought yeah. this was, like, such a nice score. Like, it didn't stand out. It just, like, was, like... Because it, it was very prominent in all of the scenes. Like, it was, like... what can I, How do I put this? There were scenes where they were talking there was no sound behind them. Mm-hmm. And then there, when there was sound, it was so powerful because I, I like I did and I only watched this film like two hours ago so like damn. I can't I can't really um I, I honestly yeah. can't remember I mean maybe it was because mm. I was in the bath but see so we're both fans of Taylor Swift obviously and awesome. she made a song called Carolina for where the crowd sing and I read that she only used instruments in her production that was available before the 1950s Oh, good on Taylor. She's doing her yeah. research, even though she's working with someone who's a bit shady. Lol. Lol. Um, and I feel like that I could, like, because the flutes, it just felt very 1800s-esque for me. Like, Yeah, fit, I mean, I definitely believe that it was in that time period. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying, mm-hmm. oh, my God, it brought me out of it, because it definitely didn't. It, in any sense, the fact that I didn't notice it is good, because it made sure that I was, it was true to the time period and that it was authentic yeah exactly so it's really a good thing that i didn't notice it yeah like you don't always have to notice score for it to be Mm -hmm. good um i know that people say like a standout score is great but sometimes a standout score can detract from viewing experience in the sense that you're solely focused on the music and if the music's so much better than the film it Mm -hmm. becomes lopsided and yeah i don't know like for spider-verse the soundtrack was amazing oh, and yeah. i feel like music was more integrated into that story oh yeah 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 music was definitely played a bigger part in that yeah yeah and even though beth was playing the piano it was very delicate and again ethereal to me mm-hmm. also in the christmas scenes the twinkling of the xylophones Oh was yeah, so was beautiful. Cute. So yeah, I cute. do remember that. That was cute. Because yeah. we never hear xylophones in films anymore, and it it brought me right back to primary school. <laughs> the plinky plonk on the the xylophones. Oh my god, I remember that. Yeah, but that's all I really have to say about score. Yeah, Just... similar. I'm I'm very similar. Yes. Um, what did you think about cinematography? So moving into cinematography and our shots of the week. What was your shot of the yes. week? My shot of the week, uh, I actually just remember doing shot of the week like five seconds ago. Whoops. Um, whoops. 
But I do have a show of the week that I picked out in the film, so don't worry. Mm -hmm. My show of the week really represents the unity, the innocence, and just the the um the honesty and the warming of this story. Like it's such a beautiful tale. It is when they are sat at the fireplace reading their father's letters and they're all like linked together and yeah. hugged by the fireplace. It's just so cute. And it makes me want to well up because yeah. it's so pure. That was honestly a contender for me when that they is, were reading the letter because yeah. that is and it says something like, Oh my my little women and mm -hmm. that was at the point of the film where I really knew where it was going. Yeah. Um Exactly. So uh, when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's going to be my shot of the week. That nothing can top that. But actually, my shot of the week is when Joe is throwing away the letter she's written for Laurie. Oh, yeah. So she's, stand she's, she's written a letter to Laurie declaring that she loves him and she wants to be with him. But then mm -hmm. it's announced that he is married to Amy. And she's holding this letter and she tears it up and throws it into the river. Yeah. And I think this just represents who Jo is and the struggles in yeah. her mind and her, in her life. And it just really sums up that whole triangle that's going on and that the whole dynamic between her and Amy. Because a lot of the story is based on this her and Amy uh, tension. Um, mm -hmm. So that was my shot of the week. Yeah, that really like it's just me I can't imagine how how difficult of a time they must have because they have to figure all this out when they're like teenagers because without any phones. Remember, we have to remember <laughs> that women were getting married so young in the eighteen hundreds, yeah. like thirteen, fourteen, maybe. Well, like, I think Amy says. Scenario. I think Amy says that. Uh, when she meets Laurie in her painting studio and Laurie's trying to convince her not to marry Vaughn, um, I think he says that she's 20 and she's the youngest. Okay. So I think we all have a year between them. So the oldest, and she's already got two kids by this point, is Meg and she'll be 24 and she's got two children. Okay. Well, Marnie must have been pumping them out <laughs> like a factory. Um, yeah. The colours. The oh, colours. I think apart the the colour the contrast between the, the warm and the cool tones were really good and I, I that really I did but that subconsciously stuck in my head, I think. Yeah. It was like only I have, you said it. I have the second point in my cinematography note says the colours of the news office is surprisingly colours of the news office is surprisingly subdued. Mm -hmm. Which of course they are because it's set it's set in like the future. Or like uh -huh. the later part of the book, which makes so much sense. When childhood has gone. Yes, and it's like the innocence has been stripped away, like, because the most striking color contrast is at the sea and at the beach, when yeah, yeah. um, Joe is reading to Beth, and then it cuts to them playing volleyball at the beach, all of them. Oh yeah, that's and really it is so bright, so warm, like it's really a summer's day, mm -hmm. and it it can just it shows you how important colors are. An important color correction is the editing process of a film and how colors can play a real part in telling a story. Thank you to, for coming to my TED Talk. I think the biggest part for me, and I think something we should definitely mention, is, of course, the costume design, which won multiple yes, awards. Yes, of course. 
Um, beautiful, gorgeous. I couldn't help but when Meg went to the ball and she came down in the pink dress, I couldn't help but think of her at the the ball in Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And she's in her dress and I was like, oh my god, it's Hermione, she's wearing her pink dress again. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't help but think but think that when she was wearing that. But de- definitely well done to the costume but designer. I just, I can't imagine how inconvenient those gigantic dresses must have been for everyday life. Oh yeah. Like, I can't imagine. Like, they must get sweating under there, like, in the summer. Because in the summer, they still have giant, like, dresses. So I was just looking up who, um... <laughs> who did the, the thing. It was Jacqueline Duran. Jacqueline Duran. Um, but in the people also ask section, there's... Did they wear Uggs in Little Women? I'm I'm scared to ask what Uggs are. Like Ugg boots. Oh. Costume oh. accuracy would have definitely helped with this, says fashion expert Mikara Tours. Here's my biggest problem with the costumes. Let's direct our attention to what Amy is wearing on her feet. In this particular shot, she's wearing Uggs. Historical <laughs> fa- Well, let me see. Where on earth is she? Oh, yeah. Is she I wearing Uggs and like in the funeral outfit? No, it's in the s- when they're in the snow. Oh. Okay. But I mean, I, I don't. For the have... most part, I don't. I don't know. Because we have to remember that this was a forty million dollar budget. I mean, it says it says here. Uh, this is from the Looking Glass. It's from Montrose Student Newspaper. Historical fashion accuracy in films. Little Women. As an aspiring fashion historian, I also. Uh, I often ask myself, watching movies set in the past, and ask myself, are these costumes accurate? That's an interesting mm-hmm. read. Yeah. Like, this is the second movie in a row where we've covered a film that is, like, fashion heavy. Like, yeah, very much um, so. Set in a, a decade big... slash century, you know. Mm-hmm. It's and got a big, big dependency about... on the fashion and the costume, definitely. Yes, exactly. And just last week we were talking about which decade we'd like we like portrayed on screen. Actually, and we never I think really I would went... say no. We didn't talk about anything past anything the nineteen hundreds, nineteen fifties specifically. Yeah, I th- I think I really, and I mean, do you know what I should have said? I should have said Marie Antoinette, which was around this time, or yes. is that in the sixteen? No, I don't... that was in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, but I that think. I should have said that. That's what I yeah. said. So if you listen to the last episode. That's what my answer yeah. would be, just for the what fashion. And that's such a big part of decade, portraying different time periods yeah. on, on, uh, on screen. But at the same time, like, I feel like the, ni- the 1800s, why do I keep saying the 1980s? 1800s is like a century worth of fashion, you know? Like, it doesn't really shift, or we don't explore that shift like we do in the 1900s, like with the 50s, 60s, 70s. They're all so different. Mm-hmm. You can pick them apart so well. be interesting to see what this would be like in the 1980s, like this story, like you know, Stranger Things base. <laughs> <laughs> Demogorgon comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, um, summer vibes, amazing contrast. They just, they're all, oh, also, the girls always seem linked or like very close together to each other as well. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a externalizing their extremely close relationship. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, so intimate and I'm, I'm very glad that I was able to be a part of their story. Me or, too. Like, 
experience share the, it and share the experience. witness it. Yeah. Definitely said a lot for me. It definitely gave me like a, mm-hmm. like it was kind of like a slap in the face to femininity and like these watching these girls fall into. Yeah. Again, gender stereotypes. We yeah. don't know them. Um, and I'm currently like wondering which of my top four films in Letterboxd I'm going to switch out for Little Women. <gasps> oh! So there's going to be a there's going to be a displacement somewhere. Oh my goodness! So what are your current top four? You've got Cruella in there. Got Cruella, A Quiet Place Part Two, Misery, and Curse of the Were Rabbit. So I think Curse of the Were Rabbit might be going <gasps> to boot. No! Maybe. Or Cruella. Cruella was in there for a short period of time. Maybe Cruella. What are my top four? I think... I know that mine Esu, are, Esu, mine Esu, are quite Esu, embarrassing. Esu Trot is one of your top four, I know. Esu Trot... And that's a great I've, So I've got Marie Antoinette, Frozen 2, Esu Trot, and Iron Man 3, which I absolutely love. Oh, yeah. I love Iron Man 3. You are obsessed with Iron Man 3 for and a I think minute. I was. I love Iron Man 3. It's... It's got 3.1 on Letterboxd, but it's just a really comforting film for me. I really like it. I really like Iron Man 3, even though some people hate it. I really like it. I've only watched Um, it once. I think I put it in there as a placeholder because I can't decide what else I should put in there, but I should probably update that. Do you agree with your top... Like, what what films do you not think are deserving of your top four? You don't have to replace them. Iron Man 3 definitely shouldn't be in my top four. I'd say Marie Antoinette and Frozen 2 definitely should be. But yeah. I, um, I don't know. Like maybe I'd say that, like another Pixar film should be in there. Like I'm surprised that you don't have any Pixar films in there. To be honest. Well, I'd probably put Ratatouille in there, or um, maybe Cars. I'm not sure. Yeah. But instead, or, or Muppets. Oh my God! Do you know Millie hasn't seen the Muppets? <gasps> Shocking. I know. I love that film. It's so good. Or or a Hunger Games film. No, honestly, right. Watch this space. I'm changing my top four tonight. Oh my god! You. Tonight. I mean, this is like gonna be released like a week and a half. Yeah. So. Later, so it will already have changed by then. Um. But yeah, Little Women, for me, ten out of ten. Like, I know I had some qualms with the act one, like the confusing narrative structure mm-hmm. and also the characters, but rewatchability. If I were to rewatch Act One and the whole film. I feel like I would just like enjoy it from start. I'm to gonna give so it like nine. I think I'm giving it a nine just because of the first twenty minutes, okay. like I can't quite shake it. The fact that I didn't enjoy it, like I didn't, okay. I wasn't drawn in. But I think a nine out of ten, and I would absolutely watch this again. Yeah, no doubt. in a heartbeat, loved oh, it. Oh yeah. I mean, I just it just left me with such a such an impact. Like I said, didn't like I stopped taking notes, like twenty minutes before the end because it was just so. So amazing. Like, go watch this film. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Show Greta, Greta some love. So, that's Little Women. Yes. I believe. What did you guys think of Little Women? Did you like Let it as much know. as we did? Uh, did you find the narrative structure as confusing as we did at the start? What? Who's your favourite character? You can let us know on... Here comes the epic reboot. Reboot. Recap from Neve. You can email us at ltfbpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at ltfbpodcast and TikTok at ltfbpodcast. 
Yes. Get in touch, That's guys. You can find Let us. us know. You can find all the links in the description to this podcast episode. We are active on Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We're all over there. Podtastic content, as we like to say over here. Podtastic content. Podtastic content, Mrs. So before we go, we obviously need to let everyone know what our picks yes. of the week and what our main project is for next week. Yes, project. Hint, hint, hint. Um, I also want to say that um, this is the next week's episode. It's the last episode that we are filming before you go to France. I know. And next week's episode, I'm going to really try hard. See, I'm going to try and get a bit more on top of making my notes and watching things a bit before you know two yeah. hours before because so, we will have like a three-week break after the, the next episode before we record again i think it's will just it two be? weeks two weeks two i think two. it's two weeks. two weeks um okay but i am going to be so I, from next week like next week's notes hopefully will be in french wow so i'm going to try and write them in french i i can't believe you're going like in two weeks it's, i know Anna, i know it's incredible you're going to have such an amazing time. Oh, my B-reels are going to be so exciting. My B-reels have been so annoying in the past. Oh my God. I fucking hate my job at Premiere was your one today. <laughs> yeah, my, my B-reel today was a picture of the beds that I had made. And I said, fucking hell, I hate this job. <laughs> that was my caption, which I do. Yeah. Um, so my pick of the week for you next week is something... I, I'm just getting my pick of the week ideas randomly. You've never watched Cinderella, so you're going to watch fucking Cinderella. <laughs> Okay, okay. That is my favorite princess film. I love Cinderella and not the reboot. I haven't seen a lot of princess. I haven't seen Moana. I haven't seen Tango. I hate Moana. You hate it. I hate Moana. I hate it. But I I like I like Tangled. But Cinderella is was my favorite film when I was a a kid. I wore a Cinderella dress to my fifth birthday party. So oh, that's so cute. You know, my pick of the week for you is Love Simon. Have you seen oh, Love, Simon before? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, I will watch that. Yeah, I can watch that. I can watch yeah? that. Yeah, that's I think chill. It's, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's chill. Lighthearted vibes. Don't take it too seriously. You know, I gave no. it five stars the first time I watched it. It's just a fun <sighs> LGBT film. Yes, I don't Hopefully you'll enjoy it more than Moxie. I think I will. I think I will, yeah. but I... Yeah, I'm, ex- I mean, I'm looking you, forward to that. You, if you liked Heartstopper... And can see past its cringiness. I feel like you can see yeah. past website its cringiness. So, with our pick of the weeks decided, I have got something yes. very exciting to announce for our next film yeah. in quotation marks. Films. Films. So, um, I am a huge Pixar fan, and Anna and I really wanted to have a look at Pixar's other films. Now, Pixar started off making short films, and they've recently launched this um, program called Spark Shorts, where we'll give a bit more history next week, but the Pixar employees are given six months um, and limited budgets to develop animated short films that were that are original, originally released on um, YouTube and then on Disney+. Plus. Yes. So these are called Spark Shorts. Um, there are mm. 10 of them. We and will be we covering are going all to review them. all of them, all 10. So we will be reducing, reducing, we will reducing. be reviewing Pearl, Smash and Grab, Kit Bull, Float, Wind, Loop, Out, Burrow, 20 something and Nona. Yes. So I can't there's wait. also a, a little short called A Spark Story, which is somewhat of an intro to the program. So I think we should watch that as well. Get okay. a wee bit of background on the history. Yep. 
Um, so we're going to be reviewing all of these films. So it's going to be a pretty long episode next week, I think. Um, Probably, yeah. With um, 10 shorts to review. But we'll do our best and you can look forward to that being the last episode with me in Scotland. In Scotland, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like I'm... I feel like, for me... It's the end have... of season one. No, it's like the mid-season finale of season one. Yes, like, absolutely. Because, for me, season one will end when we get to the end of our all our planned films that we have right now. True, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like phase one of, of the film, <laughs> Let's Talk Filmiverse. Absolutely. So we very much look forward to discussing those next week. So make sure you watch them all. It's all in a collection on Disney+. Plus. You can yep. go and find them easily. They're not too long. I think the longest is maybe 10 minutes. So um, go and check them yep. out. And Because they really are special. They really, really are special, which we'll cover next week. So yes. make sure you go and watch those. And that's all from me. Great, that's all from me too. Thank you for joining us on this bumper episode of Let's Talk Bump Bitches. Absolutely. And we will see you next week, Friday at 3 pm, same time, same place. I can't wait. Me neither. See you later, bitches. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.